Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago, and I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Today, we're going to do a training on how to take your power back, because realistically, there is some dynamic that either you feel like you're walking on eggshells, you feel like you're in limbo, or you just feel like nothing you're doing is working. If anything that I just shared relates to what you're experiencing, put the number one in the chat. If everything you're doing isn't working, if you're in limbo, if you just have no idea what the hell is going on, do me a favor, put the number one in the chat just so I can see collectively where everyone's at. Awesome. Thanks, DB, for posting that question. So we got three guys that have found themselves in that position. Now, realistically, guys, somewhere along the way, we decided that we didn't want to cause a problem. We don't want to rock the boat because maybe you want to have sex later. So you didn't want to rock the boat by bringing up the fact that X, Y, Z hadn't been done. Or maybe it's worse. Maybe, you know, there's an affair happening and you're not convicted enough to put your foot down. How many men, do me a favor, put the number two in the chat if you are navigating an affair, either on your end or her on her end. Put the number two in the chat. So I just want to get collectively an idea of where everyone is at so we can speak directly into those guys. Yeah. I empathize for you, Bob. I empathize for you as well, Tom. How many guys are experiencing pain? Put the number three in the chat. If you have a level of pain or uncertainty that you are currently navigating, yeah, so we've got some guys that are in limbo. We've got some guys that are in pain. We've got some guys that are experiencing some affairs. Man. How many of you guys would want to turn your pain into power? Just give me, give me a thumbs up if that's you. If you want to take your pain and turn it into power, and for lack of a better word, the way Mark says it is, Getting an ROI, a return on investment on your tiers. Would that be valuable for you guys? Because today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to share how you can actually turn your pain into power. Yeah, I'm getting lots of thumbs up. Uh, Mark, do you have anything you want to add to this? No? Awesome. So, gentlemen, step one, I'm going to break this down into four steps. Okay. I like to make this as simple as possible to approach. Step one to turn your pain into power is you need to actually clarify. Step one is clarification. Okay. Now, when you clarify, this means you need to clarify what is yours to own that led you here and what is not. And I, Mark and I see this a lot. Guys come in and they're owning the emotions of their wife. They're owning the emotions of everyone else. When all you need to do is own your emotions. So that's step one. You need to clarify what is yours to own and what is not. Because here, go for it. <laughs> we're actually in the same room. So we're trying to navigate 
So if you keep it muted, you should be good, right? Because I'm like hearing you in here. Well, oh I'm, no, I'm muted enough. Yes, my yes, yeah. We don't get to do this very often, but uh, we're in the same room here over in San Diego, so it's kind of cool. Um, you're talking about the owning your emotions part. Yeah. It, man, I think that's so key. Matter of fact, you probably could just. If I muted myself, I can pop into this room real quick. Totally. No, this is fine. This is fine. Because um, I want, I like this dialogue. We don't usually get to do this look right across the, yeah. the table. Um, but when you talk about owning the emotions, it, I think it's hard because we feel responsible as men mm-hmm. to own what, what is happening over here. Mm-hmm. And, and guys misconstrue the idea of ownership. They think that ownership is apology. They think it's guilt, regret. Yeah. And that's not ownership. Yeah. Ownership is responsibility. Mm-hmm. You can be responsible for you, but you can't be responsible for what she does. Yeah. And this is why a lot of guys get confused when I talk about, hey, your wife's having an affair, your wife is doing this, blah, blah, blah. You're responsible for the failure of your marriage. You're like, well, I didn't make her do that. I'm like, dude, you're right. You did not make her go cheat on you. You did not put the, the guy in front of her. She made her choice. But you are responsible for you and how you show up in your emotions. Absolutely. I just wanted to clarify that because I think it's too easy sometimes to hear things from a lens of shame and not actually connect with what we're saying. Yes. Meaning like a lot of guys will, will hear my message or hear what Joey's saying and they'll kind of go, that's great. However, I am going to take this to the nth degree that they don't need to take it to and take it to the extreme. And then it's like, well, wait, are you saying that I, I caused her to do it? No, no, you didn't cause her to do anything. Even, and I've talked to my team about this the other day, we were talking about the idea of affairs. And I said, be careful when you're talking to a man about an affair, because he didn't, even if his actions put her in a position to make that choice, it's still her choice. No one put a gun to her head and said, go fuck that dude. Like some of you need to recognize that. Some of you need to like let go of that piece. We talk about ownership here because that's a key central piece to what we do. But some of you right now are holding on to and owning something that doesn't belong to you. Yeah. Her affair is not your fault. Yeah. My, my ex-wife had multiple affairs. It was not my fault she had affairs. What is my responsibility was how I navigate that. Mm-hmm. I was responsible for how I navigate the marriage. I'm responsible for what I could own in the marriage where I didn't show up. So for example, in my situation, I wasn't the best at communicating with clarity and being direct with her. I was a very indirect communicator. And in my indirect communication, she would walk all over it. She would take advantage of it. She would do all these things because it wasn't direct communication. That's one of the areas, one of like a thousand areas that I did not do well in the marriage. Now, did my indirect communication make her become what she became? Did did, did my indirect communication lead to her cheating on me? No, it did not. And that doesn't matter. See, like we're we're always looking for a causal effect relationship. There is not necessarily a causal effect relationship. Now, some guys do. Some guys actually have caused it by introducing it. Like I know one guy would bring partners to his wife and have open, you know, sexual stuff and whatever, just crazy shit, right? That's, that's one thing. Yeah, dude, you, that's your fault, right? Or, or leave the door open where you're constantly not giving her emotions, not, not doing those things. Ultimately still at the end of the day, she's a human who's flawed and you don't have to own that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think you said it there. A lot of guys get caught in the dogmatic thinking and a lot of men get caught in the dogmatic thinking of what is theirs to own and what is not theirs to own. So with that being said, guys, for I saw a lot of head nods happening. What are you recognizing is not yours to own right now? Put that in the chat as you guys are having these thoughts. Now, I'm going to parlay to step two. While you guys are sharing your thoughts right now, what is not yours to own? What clarity are you gaining right now? And are you recognizing is not yours to own? Because we just gave you a few different examples there. But I'm going to move on to step two. Set boundaries. Literally, step two is set some boundaries. Now, a lot of the times we get caught in like that, the pitfall of having zero boundaries. And guess what, guys? When there's zero boundaries in place and you start putting some boundaries in place, there's going to be some friction. But she's not used to it, and neither are you. And this is when it's important to stay convicted in the boundaries. Now, a boundary, we have this exercise in Thrive called boundaries, not control. And we clarify what boundaries are and what you may actually be trying to control. There's a difference between the two, and it's important to discern that. And that's why step two is set some boundaries, put some boundaries in place. Now, these are for you. Boundaries are for you to keep your heart safe, to keep your emotions safe. It is not to control her. Now, moving on, is there anything you want to add there before I move on to step three? No, okay. All right. So step three, get a pulse. Now, what this actually means, guys, is get a pulse on where your wife is actually at. Meaning, how neutral do you need to be in order for things to start changing? Because realistically, you can't just show up Mr. Lovey-Dovey and you can't just show up Mr. Cold-Hearted, fuck the world, motherfucker. You have to find some level ground, which means you need to get a pulse. Where is she actually at? Is she in a place to receive healthy communication or is there just fucking friction and proverbial javelins every time you talk? Now, we have an exercise called Neutral Woman where we teach guys how to neutralize the power that she has. And we do this through creating an alias and creating how we're going to treat that alias. And put simply, you treat neutral woman the way you would the person behind you at the grocery store. Now, I don't know about you guys. I live out here in California. And I can tell you, people always aren't friendly at the grocery store. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. But this is why it's important to get a pulse. Where is she actually at? Is she in a place to receive healthy communication? Because ideally, guys, you could use the healthiest. That, am I still there? I froze on my side. Oh, I'm still here. What I was saying is, guys, you could use the healthiest, most impeccable, perfect communication, and it will still not be heard by someone that is unhealthy and unhealed and not in a place to receive that. So that's why step three is get a pulse. This is weird because it's like, everyone's so used to us talking about ownership, like own your shit, it's all you. And here we are talking today, like how to let go of, yeah. of, of the certain aspects. And that's, I think that's the thing guys is because it's so easy to become so extreme and to hear what I'm saying is an extreme message. And even though I believe in extreme ownership, there's clarity around it. And the clarity is freedom. 
you've heard me say it before, 100% ownership equals 100% freedom. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that I have to own shit that doesn't belong to me. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, It's kind of like some of you like are trying to take ownership of your stuff and then you're taking on ownership of somebody else's stuff. And what that does is it feeds the narrative that you are a bad boy mm-hmm. and that you are a bad son and you're a bad husband and you keep taking everyone else's burdens on you because that's all you know to do. Yeah. I was talking to a guy last night who's interested in joining Thrive and, and literally that was his issue where he was like, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do this. And I said, you know, dude, when are you going to take care of you? I said, because all I hear is, is you trying to take this and take that and take all these things on and wearing these burdens. Some of you right now are wearing burdens that do not belong to you. You are wearing burdens that do not belong to you. As much as we focus on ownership, there is a healthy approach to ownership, which says that you have to let go of things that don't belong to you. Mm -hmm. Number one, your wife's happiness does not belong to you. It is not yours to own. Number two, your wife's choice of sexual partner is not yours to own. Even if you are in a marriage. Now, I'm not saying that it's okay for her to cheat. What I'm saying is if she's chosen to cheat, she's chosen to leave the marriage. She has chosen to walk out of the marriage. So this is why boundaries are important. If she's actively having an affair, there needs to be boundaries and say, it's not okay. We are not sleeping together. I'm not going to have sex with you while you're having sex with someone else. You don't get to have your cake and eat it too. If you're sleeping with him, I'm not going to be your emotional uh, uh, bag, if you will, that you can just dump all of your emotional shit into because that's what some of you are doing. You're playing this long game of allowing her to have a boyfriend over here on the side. And then she keeps coming back to you and it fills your ego. It fills your cup, your narcissistic little boy cup that says, well, at least she's coming to me and talking to me. Yeah, of course yeah. she is. She's getting dick from somewhere or else. The, or at least she's coming home to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. After, you know, yeah, so you like that. sloppy seconds, I guess. I don't fucking know. But for whatever reason, like that's the way we approach it. Because why? Again, we have little to no value of ourselves. The, the, the lower the value you have of your own self, the more you allow people to treat you like shit. Mm-hmm. Like, think about that, guys. Think about how you allow people. What, one of my favorite sayings this leadership coach taught me was he said that, that you basically are teaching other people how to treat you by what you accept. And what you tolerate is what you promote to them. Think about that. Think about what you're tolerating right now in your marriage. Think about what you're tolerating in your job, in your business. Think about what you're tolerating with your children. What you tolerate is what you promote to other people. You are saying, it's okay to treat me this way. Oh, you want to scream at me? Oh, it's okay. I'll be here for that. Oh, oh, you want to disrespect me and lie to me? Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay with that. Now, what happens is what? We get frustrated. We get angry. We go sabotage. We go passive aggressive or we get aggressive instead of being like in the middle or assertive. And saying, hey, it's not okay. I set boundaries. I set these things up. Because if you don't have those things, what do you have? You have a toxic environment. And pretty much everyone here, unless, you know, maybe Rob Easthouse might be the, the exclusion to that. Yeah. He's been with us for almost two years. Uh, is, not in, is in a toxic environment, right? It's because you have allowed this person to do this. Got a text from a guy the other day who was about to jump into our program. His wife stole money out of his account. He's like, dude, I, I want to join, but she just stole this money. This is a narcissistic bitch, all this stuff. I'm like, bro, you can't allow what she is doing to you to control your future. Mm-hmm. Right now, many of you are doing that yeah. you're, because you're so myopic in your thinking 
and you're so close, you can't see the forest from the trees. And so it stops you from actually growing. It stops you from actually standing up for yourself and setting healthy boundaries. Yeah. Absolutely. One thing I want to add on to that is, man, boundaries aren't just around like emotions. There's also such thing as financial boundaries. And I think a lot of the time, men get stuck in that I'm supposed to be the provider that they let their wives walk all over them. And that's the example. Like the man came, took money, or the woman came, took money out of her, his account, which completely hindered his ability to work on himself. Guys, you get to have these boundaries in place when friction is happening. It doesn't make you less than, it doesn't make you not a provider. It means that you hold yourself at a high enough standard that you value yourself and you understand that what you bring to the table needs to be met with not only grace and conviction, but also compassion without compromise. Which brings me to number four, develop a plan. Now, if you follow step one, step two, and step three, and you stay consistent and you have a plan in place to really have clarification, and then you set some boundaries, and then you get a pulse on where she's actually at. And if you develop a plan and you keep doing this day in and day out, things will change or you will get the clarity that you're actually looking for. A lot of us, and I, guys, I, I get it. A lot of us are awaiting like some either in final moment of impending doom, like, all right, that's my final straw. Now I can move on. Or you're waiting for impending resolve. And life is meant to be so much more than that. Now, that's what I got. Those are the four steps to take your power back. Um, we do see questions that are submitted. So once again, I want to open the floor. Any questions you guys have, post in the chat. We do have some extra time. So I want to get to these questions. The first one we have What's the best way to handle your soon-to-be ex integrating her affair partner into your kids' lives? Yeah, you want to answer that one? Yeah, so first question here about the, uh, uh, the affair partner thing. A um, couple of things to think about, consideration. Um, number one, if, if you are still in a marriage with her and you haven't filed for divorce, so like, like if you're still together in the marriage and she has an affair partner, I hope that there's a boundary like, this is not okay. You express that to her. You've said, this is not okay for you to have a boyfriend, et cetera. Um, if she has decided to not be in the marriage anymore and is deciding to move on, um, I think my, my other question to you is, if she is moving on, why are you not filing for divorce? Mm -hmm. that's, that's the next thing. If you're waiting for the affair to play itself out, you're looking at anywhere from six months to three years. Okay. Once a wife, once a, once a woman has, has gone into an emotional affair that includes sex as, as part of it, you're looking at six months to three years for her to end that affair or end the affair and get over it. Um, and it's, it's a long process. Meaning if she doesn't want to, if she's actively in it, your marriage is over. Like it's it, your marriage is over and you need to accept it. And you probably need to file. Um, so that's, that's the first part. Second part is, okay, let's say you filed for divorce and now you're in the situation where she's bringing the kid around the fair partner. There is not a damn thing you can fucking do about it. Mm -hmm. Not a damn thing about it. You can express to her 
hey, when when you do this, it hurts my feelings. You can tell her, oh, this this hurts, this sucks. But if she's not a safe place, doesn't matter what you tell her. So my challenge to you is to determine what do you want to do? Do you want to go to her with your vulnerable feelings and say, hey, I, I feel disrespected when you do this? Or do you want to just lay it out and say, I don't like this. I'm going to ask you not to do it. And if she does it, how are you going to deal with it? Because at the end of the day, you can't control her. Every other thing you're trying to do is manipulation by, by groveling, by yelling at her, screaming at her, any, any of those types of things. It's just manipulation. Yeah. Let's go to the second one. There was another one here. Um, I've got it. My wife filed the students to transfer her kids. Uh, there was one before. Oh, yeah. When we filed, but still wants to be friends for our kids, I feel like she doesn't know what she wants. Um, you know, I mean. <laughs> well, I, I know I know what they're what they're saying. So basically, she wants to be friends. The question is, do you want to be friends? Right. Uh, do you want to be friends? Number one, um, you feel like she doesn't know what she wants. Well, why does that fucking matter? Like, like at the end of the day, this is not about your wife. This is about you. Yeah. Too many of you are so focused on, well. She doesn't know what she wants and she's doing this and she's doing it. Again, hitting the damn she button instead of hitting the me button, right? We can't control her. We can't, it doesn't matter what she wants. What matters is what you want. That's why the guys who are like, I'm in limbo. I don't know what to do. I don't know where it's, I don't know if she's going to file. I don't know what's going to do. Bro, you, your, your whole limbo situation is because you're lack of identity. If you knew who you are and you knew what the fuck you wanted, you would go make that decision. You would go do the things that you do, right? Until that happens, you're in limbo because you don't know who you are as a man, which is one of the most unattractive things you can do as a man. It's funny because the very thing that we want, we push away by acting the way that you're acting. You want your wife back. You want your wife to be in a marriage with you, but yet you treat her like a little boy and therefore she doesn't want to be with you. So she, she still wants to be friends. I mean, that's up to you. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. Personally, I'm not friends with my ex-wife. We, we have a, we don't even have really a co-parenting relationship, but that's also the uniqueness of my situation where I have my kids, two of my kids 100% of the time and two of my kids 80% of the time. So I have a very unique situation in that regard. Um, but part of that was because of my leadership. I, I could have just gone with the 50-50. I could have gone with the whatever, but I saw clearly she was not going to be in a situation where she was going to provide for the kids. She wasn't going to be able to do these things. And so I said, hey, look, I will take them. I will take them off your plate. You can go do your fun thing. You can go be your single mom. You can go do whatever. You can get them every other weekend. And she agreed to it. And so we had a, a, a good come, you know, come together meeting around that. And um, we're not friends at all. Like I, I, I want nothing to do with her. I will get on the phone with her maybe a couple times a year. And that might be just to discuss a certain thing with our kids. And that's it. There is no back and forth. There's no how the kid's doing. Like, like there's none of that. I'll tell her, hey, a thing happened. A kid did this. A kid did that occasionally. But that's it. Um, and that's because of my boundaries and what I need from me. I made that choice. I made that decision. First time I started going through this, like eight years ago, whatever, I was like, oh, we'll be friends, oh, this and that. And it's just, it's just your lovey-dovey feelings because you can't fathom the fact that this person is no longer in your life. I was with my wife for almost 20 years total. I know what that feels like. It's not easy. But I'm telling you, on the other side, holy shit, it's way better. <laughs> and, and I mean that for the guys that are literally in divorce and there's no going back, right? It's way fucking better. Um, because you get to choose your life. You get to create your life. So many of you now are not creating your own life because you think that she gets to create the life for you. You, get, you think the court gets to create the life for you. You think all these things do, and they don't, you do. 
Joey's going through some shit. Most of you know nothing about from a court perspective. It is fucking ridiculous what he's going through, but he is choosing the life he's, he's living right now. He is choosing the, the empowered way of thinking, if you will. So there's that one. There's another one here. Do I stay loyal until the divorce is final and just work on myself? Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you're meaning like, cause there's like two contexts to that loyal until the divorce is final and just work on myself. Seem like two different things. Loyal sounds like I want to go screw somebody um, or just work on myself. Just working on yourself isn't screwing somebody. So I'm not really sure that the context of the, you know, do I stay loyal and just work on myself? Um, yeah. So I, I would say, you know, I, most of the time, look, when you're going through divorce, most of the time, especially if you didn't file for divorce, you're not ready to date. So you probably should put your dick away. Um, it, it, it totally is a band-aid when you're thinking about the wrong head. Um, like if you're not ready to date, don't date. That's the worst thing you can do because you're cut right now. You're bleeding and you're just going to bleed on the next person until you actually do the work, like the work we do in Thrive. It, you, you won't heal and you'll just kind of, you're just going to continue. This is why we get guys second, third, fourth marriages. They finally come to us and they realize, man, I didn't even close up the wounds for my first two marriages. Here I am in marriage three. Yeah, yeah bro. We've been trying to tell you that. Um, so, and I think it's interesting when, um, guys in that scenario, they meet someone yeah. who happens to be going through divorce as well. Oh yeah, and they're like, "Oh my God, we're so close!" And I'm like, "That's called a trauma bond. That's exactly what that is. You're bonding over trauma." Yep. Um, so to answer that question or to add on to that, if loyalty is a concern, I would ask yourself if something was to happen, would I feel comfortable? sitting with that on my conscience that would be my first question on the side of working on yourself i think when we're in the rivers and the valleys and the trenches is the time that you should be committed to working on yourself because when i've stayed committed and i've had other men stay committed in those times rob easthouse is on here and he's been working with us over two years and he can tell you when he's gone through the trenches is is when we apply even more pressure and man He's come out on the other side and he's living. And I'll use the term living because he's enjoying the life that he is living currently. And it came from him holding himself accountable, from him maintaining his integrity when no one else would know if he would have done otherwise. So I hope that answers. Yeah, I don't even know. If, I hope everyone heard that because yeah. you're muted. I, I was getting some head nods. Okay. I have one that was uh, privately messaged to me that I I've got a bunch of those too. Yeah. We're not going to really get to all these. Um, there was one over here I wanted to answer, though. Where was it? We already did the soon-to-be ex-affair partner. Filed is too loyal to the divorce. Um, we've got a question here about false positives. Yeah. Let me, I'll do that one too, really quickly, succinctly. Yeah. Um, so basically, with false positives, um, if you're dealing with someone who's actually been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, or narcissistic personality disorder. Um, again, this is not coming from a doctor's perspective or a therapist's perspective. However, years and years of experience in this world, generally speaking with BPD, NPD, um, unless they are doing the work, everything they tell you is a lie. Uh, because at the end of the day, and when I mean the work, I mean like they are accountable to the work. Um, a lot of times they'll start going to some counseling or whatever, um, my ex went to counseling for two years before she was even diagnosed with borderline. Um, but the counseling was just basic CBT talk therapy, which doesn't do shit. 
Um, anytime they tried to get into the deeper stuff, she pulled out. She didn't want to deal with it. She didn't want to go there. She would make excuses. Oh, well, this happened. This happened. I can't go. I can't do this. Can't do that. So when you're dealing with BPD and PD, um, someone who isn't honest with themselves, the manipulation is usually there all the time. Um, I like anytime my ex-wife is nice to me, I'm waiting for the other shoe. I'm, I'm literally waiting for the other thing to come up because generally there's something there. And so you have to have really, really, really strong boundaries for you to, to deal with that. Um, they are specialists in false positives. That's where I got the terminology from in dealing with my own situation with my ex-wife uh, because she was a master at false positives. Um, when she was trying to win me back, she would go through all kinds of shit to make it seem like everything was changing, everything was getting better. She was going to this thing. Oh, but by the way, other things were happening. I'll leave it at that. Uh, you want to? You want to do your? You said you have a question there. Yeah. Um, I'll just read this one and answer it real quick. Struggling on how to manage my wife's affair. I found out six months ago and believe more has happened. She says it was just a kiss, but I have possible proof that more happened. We're still together, but not doing well, and it's affecting the kids. My first question would be, how do you have possible proof? It's really easy to spot a yellow car when you're looking for a yellow car. And the other side of that is, what do you actually want? If this is truly happening, I'll ask you the polarizing question to sit with. Are you in love with the woman that she is today, right now, with everything that's happening? Or are you in love with the idea and potential of who she can be? If it's the other, what does that say about you? Because realistically, if this is happening, there's a lack of leadership that's happening on your end. And whether it was a kiss or whether she was being penetrated, it's the same thing when you chunk it down. Realistically, it comes back to the values and standards that you're willing to uphold. Because right now, what you're showing is there's no values you're upholding because you're allowing this to happen. And sometimes one parent needs to show up as the leader and maybe right now that needs to be you. That's how I would answer that. I think that simplistically, unless you want to add anything. Yeah. I mean, when it comes back to the affair situation, you guys should definitely check out. Um, I've got two podcasts specifically. One in the beginning, which is uh, in the beginning of our podcast, like episode two, I think. Don't let the affair define you is number one. And the second one coming back to the marriage. Um, those two set the precedent standard for what we do in Empowered Man when it comes to affairs. Most guys like have a have a hierarchy of what it, what an affair looks like to them um, of cheating, et cetera. And I will say this is that what you need to really be concerned with is an emotional affair more than a physical affair. Um, many guys think the that well, well, nothing happened. They didn't they didn't kiss. They didn't they just hugged. Uh, yeah, but they've been spending every day together for like the last three weeks and talking for hours upon hours. You have an emotional affair. Um, and an emotional affair is way more damaging than a physical affair. Your wife could get drunk one night and slip up, you know, at a, with her girlfriends and fuck some guy. And I mean, that's bad. I'm not even trying to say that's not good, but, but, um, an emotional affair. Oh my gosh. Uh, because they don't just come off of that. That's not easy to come down from. So I just wanted to share that. Um, we got another question here. Yeah. Let's do one more before we cut it. All right. She's doing like that. Start anyway. Words and promises exactly what you want. They're actually here. Don't match. I think this is a burner phone talk. I think we kind of just answered that. Um, my store means neutral, so I mean neutral. Or next, uh, kind of interesting. Let's answer this one from Aaron. My my wife still remains neutral, so I remain neutral. 
I want to move toward togetherness, which should be my next move. Um, you can't. <laughs> Uh, again, this, this goes back to coming back to the marriage, right, Aaron, is that if, if she's A, not doing the work to work on herself, B, she's not repentant of her own shit and, and taking ownership, there is no coming, there, there is no togetherness. Um, the hardest thing, and, it, and this is this is honest truth about what we do here, man, and I hate what I've experienced and I hate what I went through, but at the same time, I'm thankful that I get to help other men see the truth and see the light about their situation because there is nothing like being shafted. Like how many of you like being lied to? How many of you like waking up and, and, and realizing, Oh my God, like this was all false. This, this wasn't real. And a lot of you are doing that because you're in denial and, and denial is the worst thing ever. Um, you know, any type of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, doesn't matter. Addiction. The first thing is denial. Right. And the first thing is we have to accept is the fact that we are in denial right now. Um, and, and denial looks like looking, exposing the truth for what is actually happening. I don't even have to know your situation. I don't even, I, if you guys notice, we never really ask about situations because it doesn't really matter to us. It's not that your situation is important, but it's, it's that you're, you're all going through the same things. You just have different ways of approaching it. And so our coaching style is meant to help you go from point A to point B, not go all the way back to, to Z, whatever, you know, before A, if you will. <laughs> our, our goal is to help you move forward. And so togetherness can only happen when you are both deciding that you want to be together. Um, if she has still leaned out, if she's still neutral you, that's a huge red flag. And especially if she is apathetic towards you. A woman who's apathetic, which means like she's neither high nor low towards you, is more dangerous than a woman that's mad at you or a woman that's really sad. And that is because her heart has become so shut off and she's just like, I don't really care. She's flippant. That's fucking dangerous to a marriage. Like that marriage is over. It's just over. It's just, it's at this point, it's like just sign some papers. And, you know, there's all kinds of, man, <laughs> there are all kinds of charlatans right now trying to sell you on this bullshit. It only takes one to save a marriage. And they are all trying to sell you the same thing. Well, if you can just emotionally connect with her again and she can see all the good things. Matter of fact, my wife and I, Amy, we were, we were going through one of the, and I'm not going to name names because I'm not here to bash people. We were going through a guy who recently has been like getting some clients and like we've talked to some people that, that are they're talking to him or whatever. And I had never heard of him. So I looked him up and, and looked at what he said. And the thing he focuses on is basically uh, emotional manipulation. And where it's like, how do I manipulate my wife so that she sees changes and so that she wants to come back to me without taking any fucking ownership whatsoever? And I read, I read to my wife the sales page, and she's like, as a woman, this pisses me off. Because if I found out you bought a program like that, that would piss me off, more, like, like beyond. Because it's all about how to make her reconnect with you and not really take any accountability, take ownership. So what do you have? You have a manipulated marriage, right? That you have to manipulate someone to be back in a marriage with you. And so in order to keep the marriage, you have to keep manipulating them to stay with you. And this is the, this is why we exist. This is why Thrive as a program exists to focus on the man. Because if the man does the work, he's either going to attract her back to him or he's going to move on and be powerful either way. We say it all the time. Our clients never lose. Because when they come in and do the work, they become transformed into the most empowered versions of themselves. 
That is at the end of the day, that is what we fucking do here. And you can decide, hey, I want to manipulate my wife back and that's all I care about. And you still be miserable and you still live a disempowered life and you still are a disempowered little man. Or, or you can become an empowered man and either attract her back because she sees the changes because you're not trying to manipulate her. Yeah, like Rob was a people pleaser. <laughs> or you become this empowered man and that she doesn't want anything to do with because she herself is unhealthy. Can't tell you how many clients come to us. They start working with us like, man, uh, you know, I, I'm detached from the outcome. At the end of the day, I would love to have my marriage saved. But I'm going to work on me. And they start working on themselves and they get halfway through the program. And they go, holy shit. My wife doesn't want to work on herself. She doesn't want to work on our marriage. She has no desire for growth. She has no desire for change. And all of a sudden, two people that were like this, all of a sudden start going like this. And, and, and it's sad. And men will compromise. They will compromise because they don't want to outgrow their wife. And so they stay stuck. They stay playing small. Bro, your kids are watching that. Your future self is watching that. Yeah. Your future self is angry with you, some of you right now, because you are playing small. Your future self, that's, it, doesn't, it can be wealthy, it can be spiritually, it can be mentally, emotionally, physically. Your future self is angry with you right now because you are playing small because you're too scared of living an empowered life. You're too scared of what it's going to look like when you rip off that shirt and you recognize for the first time ever that, that there is more inside of you than you thought was possible. And it's not just about doing things. It's about being somebody because you're not a human doing, you're a human being. But most of you just focus on how do I do? How do I do? How do I do? How do I do? And I'm just here to tell you, bro, you just got to be, be empowered, be empowered, stop being disempowered and be empowered. Who we got? Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's more, but we probably got to, it's already, we're past our time, I think. Yeah. No so I'll close with this. Um, I don't know if we uh, have the link for it. I have the link. You have the link for the just the page. Yep. Yeah. So we, last week we we launched this out quietly to to some people. Um, we, we've started a new community called Revive. Um, this is perfect for some of you who financially aren't able to be and thrive, um, but at the same time you're wanting coaching, you're wanting support, etc. We're going to drop the link here. Um, it is a monthly membership, so it's it's a smorgasbord, if you will. You come in, uh, you decide you want to you want to do it for 30 days, you want to leave after 30 days, you can leave after 30 days. You know, contracts, nothing like that. Um, the focus is on this. The focus is on really communicating like a leader. Um, the focus is on uh, helping you like gain confidence with that, right? Because some of you are just not confident at all in your communication. And so we've put in there um, almost all of this, uh, the some of the Thrive assignments on, on communication, et cetera, um, in there, there's also all of our, uh, recordings of our, uh, marriage counselor call with Misty. Those are in there. Um, you're getting access to our communication masterclass. There is a ton of stuff in there. And then there's a group coaching that happens every week as well. So it's, it's, it's focused on confidently communicating and creating boundaries. So a lot of the stuff you guys are talking about here today, that's the perfect place for you to be, especially if you're not ready. Uh, to, to make a huge commitment into Thrive. Um, and we're just getting this thing started. Uh, we had this thing going a couple of years ago and it was phenomenal. Um, we decided to bring it back because we wanted to uh, help out more guys than, than we're helping currently. Uh, so the link is there. You can join it anytime. I'm not putting any weird urgency things on it. It's, it's another community that we decided to do to give you guys more access to what we're doing, 
um, but at a, at a fraction of the cost of drive. That's all I got, man. You got anything else? Nope. That's all I got for you. All right, Gentlemen, guys. Appreciate you being here. Peace. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.